So good morning. This is Tom Clark with the Father's Heart Media and the Father's Heart Podcast and Papa Tom's Tales, Grandfather's Bedtime Stories. And I have with me today a special guest, but before I introduce our audience to her, uh, I would like to talk about the theme of our uh, podcast is really a theme of connection. It's a connection uh, between uh, fathers and children and between God the Father and us people as children. And it follows Malachi 4.6, at the end of the age, I'll bring the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. And so that with that theme, it's a, it, think about connection and how we can help people have good connections and people who tell their stories of coming out of darkness into light, having coming from worry, anxiety, and fear, and finding the perfect love that casts out all fear that only God our Father has for us. So with us today, we have Kelly Lester, and she's speaking to us from Richmond, Virginia area, and uh, she has quite a few stories to tell. I met Kelly at a conference that was held in Leesburg, Virginia, a week or two ago. It was called Pray, Vote, and Stand. It was held in Cornerstone Church in Leesburg. Uh, a lot of political themes were discussed. A lot of the things having to do with abortion and and uh, the LGBT BT community and uh, critical race theory, uh, all the different issues of the day, uh, transgender and uh, puberty blockers and gender dys dysphoria was also part of uh, the panel discussions. But uh, I was uh, attracted to this very attractive woman when I was walking down the hallway. She's very easy on the eyes, but she doesn't want to come on the video. But uh, she's got a good voice, too, so you can appreciate her. And she's a mother of six. So with that, let me introduce you to Kelly Lester from Pro Love. And Kelly, tell our audience a little bit about your background. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it was, it was good to meet you at that conference that was kind of a... An interesting conference with a lot of things going on, so it was nice to meet you and talk to you and connect. Um, as you said, my name is Kelly Lester. I am mother of six kids, ages 5 to 13, um, and I did birth them all. People ask me that all the time, so yes, I did birth mm -hmm. them. Um, married to a great guy named Robbie, and uh, currently work for Abby Johnson. Some of you may know who Abby Johnson is. Um, she has two ministries called And Then There Were None and Pro Love Ministries. And so I do outreach and government engagement mm -hmm. for her. And yeah, you said it. I live in Richmond, Virginia. Actually, we just bought the house that I grew up in. Wow. Um, so that's kind of fun. We're renovating it. And uh, you know, I don't know if I told you, Kelly, but I'm a father of six, too. I saw that when I was when I was uh, stalking you, trying to figure out who you were. <laughs> I saw that you were a father of six. A grandfather of 15. Four of which are wow. in heaven, so 11 yeah. on the earth. I'm, I'm excited for those days as well. I'm also the oldest of eight children from an Irish Catholic family from New York. Wow. Well, you've got me beat. I only have one <laughs> sister, so you win that one. You win that one. <laughs> Kelly also is quite an athlete. See, she's got the body of an athlete, and uh, I'm always attracted to mothers, and mothers who have for some reason, women who have a lot of children and, and athletic women. And you, you, you check the box on both things. So I'm sure you make Robbie very happy. <laughs> well, we have six children, so no complaints. <laughs> yeah. 
So how did you get involved with Abby Johnson? Well, I got involved with Abby. I was working at a pregnancy center in Fredericksburg, Virginia, Mm -hmm. Um, was doing outreach for them. And the movie Unplanned came out, which some of you may have seen. I saw that movie. I saw that movie. It was a really good movie. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely see it. The, The short version is it's a movie of Abby's life. She was a former Planned Parenthood director who uh, helped in an ultrasound-guided abortion and became pro-life. So at the time, I was working, telling my story, but I would talk about, you know, my story and all the different aspects, which we'll probably get to here in a little while. But there was one part of my story that I never talked about, and that was working in an abortion clinic because Mm. I actually worked in a clinic. And when I saw that movie, I realized that that was an area of my life that I needed to get healed. Mm. Um, And so the following January went to the March for Life and met Abby and her crew, told them, you know, that I was a former abortion clinic worker and came on as a client first, Mm -hmm. um, which we call quitters, people who quit the abortion industry, um, and did that for um, about eight months and then came on staff. You don't look like a quitter to me, though. No, I don't quit many (laughs) things, but that that was one that I I quit. Um, And so I'm the first actual quitter who's turned employee of the ministry. So that's something she's very proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that kind of started it. Well, when we were at the conference, you shared with me, because I told you it was the Father's Heart podcast and how we deal with the, the theme we share, I shared with earlier about connection, really, a connection between the fathers and their children and the, God, the heart of God the Father and us as children. And uh, you mentioned to me a little bit about a back, your background when you were a teenager, uh, mm-hmm. starting when, when you were 12, and then also something that happened to you with how uh, a particular situation developed with your natural father that completely changed your life. Could you share that with our audience? Starting when you, when you were 12. Sure. So um, I'm going to start just a little bit before that. I grew okay. up, my parents were, my dad was a pastor, grew up in a Christian home. Um, my parents were still married up until when my dad just recently passed away. Um, and, but never really felt comfortable in my own skin, never felt like I belonged anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and at 12, you didn't think you were a man, did you? No, no, I felt comfortable <laughs> in that part of my skin. I guess, you know, we've got to be careful when we say that these That's days. Right. Uh, no, I, I was fully confident in my femininity, just not good for you. who I was as a woman. I wouldn't um, want you to change that. <laughs> no, me, me neither. I, I have no desire to be a man. Good, good. I'm very happy being a woman. Um, and so at 12, I had some friends that came over to the house and they were popular. I wasn't popular, but they were, and, uh, they told me about a party. And so we snuck out and went to a party. And at that party, I was raped. Wow. Um, now, in, How old were you? 12, I was a freshman in high school. So a lot of people are like, you were only 12, but I was a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my first sexual experience that I knew of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, when I came home, you know, I was obviously traumatized from that. I didn't tell my parents. Um, I did, however, tell my youth pastor. And she, in her great wisdom, told me that if I'd never snuck out and gone to that party, that that would have never happened. That made you um, feel really bad about yourself. That, yeah, it did. I mean, it definitely, you know, growing up, my biggest fear was always disappointing my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that, my biggest fear with God was disappointing God. Mm-hmm. And so when that happened, I thought, oh, gosh, well, now I'm not a virgin. You know, mm-hmm. it's my fault. And so mm-hmm. this is, you know, God's disappointed in me. 
And so I started to pull away from God at that point. Um, and just the church. I mean, the way that my youth pastor handled it, I was like, y'all aren't real nice people. I don't really want to be around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that took me on a, a, you know, trying to find value. And um, one place that people valued me was men. And so I became promiscuous. Mm-hmm. And at 15, I was pregnant mm-hmm. and um, had my very first abortion. Mm-hmm. Um and that day definitely changed me. I mean, the rape affected me, but the, the abortion took me down a path of complete. I walked in a, a nationally ranked tennis player, straight A student, regular church attender, even though I was hardening my heart to God, it wasn't fully hardened. But at that point I was like, well, I know God can't love me. And I went off the deep end and, you know, did drugs and alcohol and was running drugs up and down the East coast and homosexuality and you know, all the things. So eating disorders, if you name it, I I have a badge that says I did that and did it well. Um, and ran for about 15 years. Um, and, um, from the age of, that would make you from 15 to 30. Yeah. So I was actually 29. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm not quite 15 years, but yeah, so I was 29 and, uh, was living with a boyfriend in New Orleans, mm-hmm. um, and um, we, it was a very violent relationship. We decided the relationship wasn't working out, and so um, I was going to come back home to Virginia. We went out one last time before I came home, got drunk, got into a fight, came back to the apartment, and at the apartment, the fight really intensified, and we had ripped the door off the door frame. And so there was a two by four laying on the ground near the door. And there was a point in the fight where he was kneeling on top of me and he grabs the board and he, he goes to hit me over the head with it. And as he's mid swing about to hit me, he drops the board. He punches me in the face, blood goes everywhere. And he's like, Oh gosh, I've actually really hurt her. And so the fight stopped. Cause as you said, I'm an athlete. So I didn't just sit there and take it. I, I, <laughs> I fought back. Um, but he, he hits me in the face, blood goes everywhere, fight stops. And then the next morning I wake up and there are text messages and phone calls from my father who was living in Virginia. And, you know, your dad's the last person you want to talk to after a night like that. So I didn't call him back. Um, but then the next day we drove back to Virginia with all of my belongings. And when we got back to Virginia, my dad met me. And as soon as he saw me, he started crying. I had two black eyes. My nose was crooked. Um, and I said, oh, dad, you know, I was in a car accident and, and he gets me in the car and he looks at me and he says, Kelly, two nights ago, I was asleep. And in the middle of the night, I was woken and I had a vision of you laying dead on the floor with your head split wide open. And so I began to pray. Now, I didn't tell my dad that, but I knew that at that moment, that was the moment when my boyfriend had dropped the board. Mm-hmm. And so my dad's prayers in Virginia literally saved my life in New Orleans. You know, it's it's. It's so important for our audience to pick up on this point of it. It was God the Father. Yeah. Who interrupted your dad's sleep. Absolutely. And woke him up. Yep. And told him, your daughter mm-hmm. needs your prayers right now. Yep. And your father rea- responded to the call that God put on his life, in his heart. And he woke up and prayed for you. And he yeah. saved your life that night. Absolutely. Yep. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that it's has crazy. to be very connecting back to your dad and also very back connecting back to God, the father. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, like, like I said, my, my dad, my dad was my best friend growing up. And he was like, he was my everything. And my biggest fear as a kid was disappointing my dad. And that translated to my biggest fear was disappointing God. And so when I did, I ran from my dad and I ran from God. I mean, my dad and I still had a relationship, but... You know, he called me, but I wouldn't see him because I knew he would know. And when he'd call me, I was afraid. It's funny because up until that point, when I talked to my dad, mm-hmm. when I was running from the Lord, I was afraid that God had told my dad what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Probably <laughs> did. Sure enough, years mm-hmm. later, he did tell my dad what sure, I was doing. Right. You know, and did save me. So it's interesting how that works. Right. But when after that encounter, you know, where where my dad's prayers. Mm-hmm directed by God the Father, saved my life. It took a couple of weeks, and then I ended up at my dad's church. Mm-hmm. And um, he was preaching and did an altar call at the end. And I was sitting there listening to the altar call, and I heard as clearly as I, actually more clearly than I hear you right now, mm-hmm. I heard God say, have you had enough? Was it an audible voice? It was an audible voice, audible, like full on, you know, in stereo sound, have you had enough? But the thing was, you know, when I, when I say that I had heard men say that to me before and it was in a fight and it was that like, have you had enough? You know, it wasn't that voice. It wasn't a disappointed father saying, have you had enough? Are you done? It wasn't that. It was my broken hearted father, God saying, have you had enough? Mm-hmm. And when I heard him say that, I, you know, of course it startled me at first. Sure. And I thought, you know, but God, you know, you don't know what I've done and you know what, I've, how can you forgive me for these things? And how can you forgive me for this stuff? And I've got nothing. I'm almost 30 years old. I'm not married. I don't have anything. Mm-hmm. And, he, and, and then I heard again, audible voice. If you follow me, I will make beauty from ashes. Mm-hmm. Now, I was not very familiar with my Bible, so I didn't realize that that's scripture. It's out of the word. Isaiah 61. He spoke his word to you. Yeah, he did. He spoke his word to me, which is what he usually does. Yes. Um, and, and I just thought, but God, how can you make beautiful all of the things in my life? And I didn't hear a response, mm-hmm. but I just got the sense, you know, just trust me. Right. And trusting him was very hard for me because I later realized um, through some just praying and, you know, asking God, why, you know, why was I an insecure kid? I had this amazing dad Mm. and, you know, I had this family life that was a good family life. Why did I feel insecure and why did I feel all of these things? And, And he showed me without telling me, he showed me, that I had been molested when I was a three-year-old child. Wow. And I saw a man in a wife beater, you know, a white tank top with gray polyester pants. And I knew who it was. And it was someone from my family. And I called my dad and I said, hey, dad, you know, I was praying with the Lord and asking questions and he showed me this. Is this something possible? And he told me that when my sister and I were young children, we would go to this person's house and they had an in-house daycare Mm -hmm. and they stopped. My parents stopped sending us there because there were allegations of child abuse. Wow. And that my sister had told him the same thing. So without me remembering the situation, 
the Lord showed me that that's what it was. So I didn't have to ask those questions, mm -hmm. you know, and then it was confirmed by my father. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I realized that that's why I felt I didn't want to disappoint him. I felt insecure. I didn't feel safe. You I felt bad about yourself. I felt bad about myself. Exactly. Yeah. Felt shame and guilt and condemnation. And then that was just added on by the way people treated me and the way kids <laughs> treated me and the bullying and all of those things. And then at 12 to be raped, it was like the stamp of you're not good enough. You're never going to be good enough. And then that just continued. And then you, so uh, then, at the age of 29, didn't you tell me before you had two abortions? I'd actually had four. Four abortions. Four abortions, yeah. So that yep. all added up. That was all part of that feeling of shame and guilt for the four abortions. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I say I, I've always, I always had the feeling of not being good enough but at the same time being too much, too loud, too wild, too, you know, but at the same time, not good enough. Yeah. Um, and um, so when, you know, so when I heard God say that, I knew that he saw me and that he was waiting for me. Um, mm -hmm. And I didn't know how he was going to make beauty from ashes. Mm -hmm. But at that point I was so desperate. I was like, mm -hmm. I got nothing else to try. He, you know? he who knows you the best loves you That's the most. Right. That's right. Um, and you know that Tom, that's what he's done. He literally has taken everything in my life mm -hmm. that the enemy meant for evil, everything in the life in my life that was harmful. Mm -hmm. And he has not only saved me from it, but he has redeemed it. Mm -hmm. So he has, you know, made beautiful, even me moving into the home where I was raised, mm -hmm. there's trauma that happened in this house because mm -hmm. of life stuff that happened. And the Lord is bringing me back here. And now I have new mm -hmm. memories. I have memories of my kids. I have memories of my husband. I have mm -hmm. memories. So it's like the God is redeeming all of these parts of my life mm -hmm. and making it beautiful. Like not just taking it from ashes to being okay, but making it beautiful. Mm. You know, uh, one of the biggest traumas that I've, when I, over the years I've talked to women who have had abortions uh, in their life is coming past that and coming around to uh, accepting uh, themselves and accepting that God still loves them and uh, getting past that, those issues. Uh, because, you know, when they say that um, probably most psychological scarring things that can happen to a woman is for the rest of her life, if she doesn't, if she doesn't get it resolved, uh, is uh, having an abortion. Oh, absolutely. You have... Yeah, and it always manifests somehow. For some women, it's an inability to connect with their children. For other women, mm -hmm. it's being so devoted to their children that they are like helicopter parents, you know? Right. For some women, it's giving up and going to drugs and alcohol like I did. For other women, it's becoming, you know, an overachiever and having to be the best at everything. Mm -hmm. um, there's difficulty in relationships. So it definitely plays out in different ways, but it plays out in everybody, for sure. But it's only when you really receive or able to receive God's love for you that's where that scripture says perfect love casts out all fear and yeah. you can overcome that and realize that what are when you when you actually can receive his thoughts as father God his thoughts yeah. about you and you yeah. no longer have the fear of men or what people think about you yeah. uh, or even how you think about yourself you now have a that's foundation right. based upon how he thinks of you and that's what's yeah. the healing power of that. Yeah, people ask me, because of what I do, I, people ask me a lot of, you know, 
what changed you from being pro-choice to pro-life? And I would love to say I got saved and instantly was like, okay, now I'm pro-life, but that's not how it worked mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. For me, what happened, the way that it happened was I got my identity in God. I, mm -hmm. When I began to realize that God loved me and that God valued me, right. now I believe God loved other people. Right. But it wasn't, I didn't believe he loved me. It wasn't personal when, to you at first. Yeah, exactly. And so when I started to believe that God valued me and that my life had value because of God, then I could value other people's lives. And yeah. then I could become pro-life. Um, and that was a hard, that was not a quick thing. Um, and that's one of those things that maybe for some people, they just instantly get it. And it's super easy for me. It was not, it was a process. Mm -hmm. It was replacing lies that I believed about myself with the truth, which the only way to do that is through the word. You know, you have to be in the word, you have to be studying the word and reading scriptures about what God says about you. Mm -hmm. Um, and as I did that, and that's renewing your mind, you know, taking thought captives and renewing your mind. Like when, as I did that, then my beliefs just changed. I mean, it naturally just changed. It changed right into the truth. That's right. And the truth will set you free, as the scripture tells us. As it has. You know, yeah. there's a scene in The Chosen. Have you watched The Chosen, by the way? Oh, yes. Okay. I love The Chosen. I love The Chosen, too. There's a scene in the first... What, what, what captured my heart and mm -hmm. made me a Chosen fan was in uh, season one, episode one, at the end of episode one, when Jesus confronts Mary Magdalene mm. coming out of the bar. Yeah. And uh, she's running away from him. And it, it, it was so beautifully portrayed in that what the only thing that she had in her life that she could hold on to was the scripture, Isaiah 43, verse 1, mm -hmm. where it says her father gave it to her that uh, yeah. he called you by name. Yahweh called you by name, and uh, he, he says, you are mine. Mm -hmm. And at the scene, which is the culminary scene of the whole episode, when Jesus uh, calls Mary uh, Magdalene, who, who people knew her as Lilith. Yes. And, which is a whole other story on yes. that. But uh, she was the prostitute Lilith, and he calls, he, he was a stranger to her. And he calls her Mary. Mm -hmm. And then she turns around and he literally quotes the word to her. Yeah. That was exactly the same word that her father had given her. Yeah. That she, she carried in her doll all her life. But at the time that she was going to commit suicide, she opened the doll up and ripped up that scroll because she no longer believed it anymore. Mm -hmm. And then when this scene happens, Jesus speaks these, the very word of God to her. And it was yeah. the very word of God in Isaiah 43, verse 1, that uh, her father had given to her, that she tried to hold on to, but it kind of wasn't working for her. And then it was like Jesus spoke that word and energized that word, and it released all those demons that were uh, affecting her. And he said, I called you by name. And he literally called her by name, Mary. Yeah. That's her he name. Did. He literally <laughs> called her by name her name Mary, and then he literally said, you are mine, I've redeemed you, you are mine. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a very powerful um, interplay, but, yeah. um, and again, it's, um, it's, a, it's, I guess it's a movie, but it portrays real life in the movie in a very real way. And it, it um, describes 
exactly how you experience things yourself. That it God is. literally spoke the word to you. And your father has as well. Yes. And, and these things are so freeing when you can receive them. You know, as, as I've grown older, I've realized um, I can't persuade people of things. I can't persuade people of the truth. Right. I can only present it to them and hope and pray that they capture it. And uh, I have one of my particular sons right now is uh, in bondage and uh, uh, has an addiction. Won't go into any detail with it. And I'm praying for him, knowing I can't persuade him of it. But I pray he captures the truth of how much yeah. God loves him. And when I wrote these books for children, you're going to have to... Did I ever give you a copy of the book, by the way? No. Oh, well, I'm going to get one you want. For your kids. <laughs> uh, it's, it's dealing, each book deals with a fear. Yeah. And how the perfect love casts out fear. And yeah. the first book deals with identity. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what God showed me to start with. It starts with identity. The title of the book is The Boy Who Found His Name. And it starts wow. with Luke the light bearer. The light bearer being one who brings the light and the truth. Meets a boy on the, bo uh, in, on the beach and the, he asks him his name, and the boy says, I have no name. And who is your mother and father? I have no mother and father. So the kid wow. is completely lost with no identity. And then the story goes on, and it, it talks to him, and Luke brings him up to heaven, and he meets God the Father, and God the Father gives him his name, and in that gives him his calling and his destiny. And it's his, Yeah, you know, it's, it's <laughs> interesting because oftentimes, I mean, even thinking about your son, and I know for me, we take on our issue as our identity. We take on, you know, we take that's, on our sex. I'm gay. I'm a drug addict. I'm a this. I'm a that, you know, and we take, because we all so desperately want identity. We want to know who we right. are and, you know, and, and the world right now is looking for identity. Right. And unfortunately, the 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 devil has done a really good job of bringing those negative identities those false identities as a badge of courage you know where to march in the gay pride march that's a badge of courage mm -hmm. to stand up and say you're transgender is a badge of courage mm -hmm. to do to say you know to be a drug addict who they don't even call them drug addicts anymore they call it something disorder you know whatever it is like that's your badge of courage mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, we're all looking for that identity. Um, and I did. I mean, I know for me yeah. that was, you know, that was part of it. And the pro-life, pro-choice thing, Planned Parenthood's done a great job of come in and get your abortion and now you have a cause to fight for. Right. You know, and, and that's what people are looking right. for. The trick um, that the devil uses uh, is, in, in scriptural terms, uh, familiar spirits. Yes. So when you say he gives them an identity, which is really a false identity, a yes. false identity is a familiar spirit, and that's who you think you are. But that's not how you are. Right. That's, that's who the devil wants you to think you are, and then you right. act that out yeah. and behave that way. Yeah, which reiterates in your mind, and that was for me, you know, the shame and that you're not good enough, you're not good enough, and then something right. would happen that would confirm sure. what I believe. It's, well, I, I would know. describe that and clarify that to our audience. That is reinforcing the lie yes. that the devil's telling you, reinforcing right. that lie. Yeah. And, and God wants to break that of you because yeah. he's redeemed us and he's called us by name. 
Yeah. And he knows every hair in our head. Yeah. And he loves us intensely. And as yeah. it says in the Psalms, you know, when I got my uh, thoughts of what God's thoughts were about me, it was too high for me. I, too high I, for me. Too high. Right. I, I can't even get my mind yeah. around yeah. how much he loves me. Yeah. Right? So yeah, that's, that's a beautiful thing. It is. So, so I'm yeah. so happy to hear and so encouraged. I'm sure our audience is so encouraged to hear that after all that, after four abortions, yeah. you now have six children and you're happily married with Robbie. One yes. day, one day I'm, I'm sure I'll get a chance to meet him at some point. I'll have to come down to Richmond yeah. and meet you, Robbie, and your family. And uh, uh, I really appreciate your spirit and, you. and how... Um, you know, um, anybody listening to this, uh, you know, our words have so much power and our words have so much energy. And when we speak words that we're speaking right now, it affects the world. It affects the ether. This is one of the things the Lord showed me when I uh, retired from the financial services industry and went into media. He says, you will affect the culture. You will affect the world. This, you're going to bring the kingdom of God onto the earth by the words that you speak. And that's what we're doing now. Both of us are, are exchanging uh, thoughts uh, from our memories, uh, from what God has given us in terms of the experiences as you so eloquently described them. Um, and they're powerful. And, they, and they, these, are, these are testimonies of what God has done in your life. And it, it, it'll be very encouraging to people who are not there yet. Yeah. You know, who... who uh, um, haven't experienced the good side, or right. that, that people are still in the darkness or halfway in, halfway out. I mean, most of the people that are going to listen to this podcast have issues, and <laughs> we all have issues, right. and we all have things that we're dealing with. Um, many, I'm sure, are going to have familiar spirits bothering them, uh, annoying them, and... Uh, uh, not walking in their identities as God has chosen them to, not even thinking it's possible. Uh, most people have difficulty hearing from God, even though we basically have a Christian audience. Um, and this is not about religion. This is about something that affects our life to the very core. It affects our soul to the very core. It affects our, our you know, we're made of spirit, soul, and body. It affects us to our very existence, our sleep at night. Uh, how we uh, live and breathe and how our being is affected by the thoughts that we think. And, and God wants us to live our lives more abundantly. That's why he came. He doesn't want us to be uh, in having any of these worry, anxiety, or fear thoughts that, that trip us up. He doesn't want you to be walking in a place that you think that God, that a person thinks that God is disappointed in them. You know? Um, one of the things that has helped me describe to my children how much God loves them was to say, to show them my grandchildren and said, how is it possible that this child, who's your, my grandchildren, your child, that you could be disappointed in them? What could they possibly do that would make you disappoint them? And there's nothing that they could do because they're so... I don't know, like little children are almost like cherubs. You know, they're, they're, they're so innocent and so um, so easy to love. It's like you don't even have to try. It's, uh, 
It's something that just seems to flow and come very naturally. So is there anything that you could share with our audience as an action step that they could take that could help them bridge the gap between um, connecting with God, the Father, uh, from where they are? Some people have connections, some people don't. Even if people do have connections, you want more of a connection. The, the greater the connection you can have. By the way, it brings me another another point. I was listening to uh, some of the um, uh, Dr. Green this morning, and I was uh, thinking about my website and landing page. And I was thinking of, uh, it says the Father's heart, and the people put it together, had a heart in it, you know. And the heart that was there looked like a Valentine's heart. And I thought to myself, you know, it's this my podcast is not about romantic love. It's not about sex love or romantic love. It's not about Valentine. You know, the heart doesn't really do it for me. I said, thank God. I said, what, what is the imagery that I could use on my website? Now, the, the podcast, if you've seen it, is a picture of a, a man walking along a beach with a son, you know, a child. And that captures it to a certain degree. Sure. But the other picture he showed me, and I had the scene in my mind to come of Michelangelo's painting on the Sistine Chapel of God, the Father reaching out to Adam. It's a, yeah. it's a painting of creation and their hands just barely touched. I said, that's it. That's it. It's a picture of connection, you yeah. know, and uh, it's a connection that starts with words. It starts with what, how we express ourselves to God. So in that light, what... Um, what could you? What comes into your mind, Kelly, about what you could share with our audience? More than half of which is women, uh, but it could be men. It doesn't matter. It's not a gender-specific thing. What could they do? What action step do you think that they could take to make that connection with God, their Father? Well, part of the way that the Lord, you know, talk, He said He would make beauty from ashes from my story. The way that that has happened. Mm -hmm is in me telling my story. Hmm. So when I tell my story and someone says, I've never told anybody this, but, or, you know, I experienced that, or I had that, then that has, is how God's made it beautiful. And that didn't start on a stage. You know, that didn't start on sure. a podcast. That right. started in a group with women mm -hmm. that were my age mm -hmm. and some older that were Christian that I could just be real with. And they could point me in the direction of, okay, this is what God says. This is what you think. This is what God says. And show me in the word, not just God says this and them say it, but show me in the word. And then I would take and I would be like, okay, God, I don't believe this. I need you to help my unbelief, you know? Right. And I would meditate on that mm -hmm. and go through that. And then, you know, and then do it again. Then the next week, come back and do it again. And so the Lord used community for me. I mean, I'm a very relational person. So he used, you know, that as well. My dad, going to my dad and saying, Dad, I'm struggling with this. Or I'm struggling with that. And him speaking to me. Um, you know, maybe some of the listeners, depending on where they are, they don't have community. And they don't have people that they can do that with. Mm -hmm. But you do have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So you got three people you can go to. Mm -hmm. You know, so just pray and ask them. God, show me what you believe about me in the Bible. And, you know, use his word to replace it. Um, but sharing your story, there's a lot of power that comes in that. There's, there's getting rid of the darkness, you know, that what the enemy is used to try to cover up and try to keep you hidden. 
Mm -hmm. um, where he sheds light on it. And um, now it has to be in a safe space. You know, it has to be. And, you know, the well, you, you shared with uh, the audience you had a bad experience with a youth pastor. I did. Well, you shared, the first time you shared something, um, he made you feel bad about yourself. So yeah. that did not really work well. Right. And, and so, you know, it, it was like you trusted that person and they really didn't use words. They, first of all, they didn't speak the truth to you. That's and right. they, uh, they hurt you with the words that they spoke, which yeah. happens to us too. So we can ask God, the Father, Father, uh, show us who um, you put in our life yes. that we can trust. So you, yes. could, you could always trust your father. Right. Well, and that was the difference between my youth pastor and these women. My youth right. pastor blamed it on me, but didn't show me in the word where I was to blame. Right. These women said, this is you. Let me show you in the word where it says that. Right. Um, and so, you know, that, that there you go. people can obviously use the Bible to for their own gain as well, but that's a little harder. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's always a good measure. If it's not in the Word, it's not It's not true. So. Right. So you're, we're directing people to find... First of all, they could ask God himself. Yes. Then they could ask God to show... Uh, you could ask other people uh, that they're related to, yeah. and, and that they trust, like their father, if they have that relationship, or someone in their community... Those are all the possibilities yeah. uh, to show them in the word what God yeah. says about them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good. Okay. So uh, we thank you, Kelly, for this time that we were able to share. Um, thank you. I might even be willing to do this again sometime. So this is, yeah. this is really going really well. And, and uh, you know, I find every time I do a podcast, when I listen back to the podcast again, there are things in the podcast that happened that I didn't realize was happening when it was happening. Right. And it was always something that was uh, encouraging to me and always something edifying to me. So yeah. uh, I want to thank you for uh, sharing this time with us. And uh, we look forward to uh, uh, perhaps doing this another time. And thank you for the time you've given us right now. And I will look forward to meeting you and Robbie and uh, your children at some point. That so with that in mind, uh, we want to encourage our audience to go to thefathersheartmedia.com where they can find media such as our podcast. I'm also writing articles. The last article I wrote was The Bewitching America. And it has to do with the mind control and how uh, so many uh, people, believers and non-believers, have been duped into this stupor. It's, like, um, it's really a process of, witch biblically speaking, witchcraft that has um, and sorcery that has been used through incantations to dull our minds to receiving the truth. And um, then I started writing articles there, blogs. I have these children's books. The second children's book will be out called uh, Luke the Lightbearer Defeats the Spirit of Confusion. Mm -hmm. and, and it's about transgender, actually. <laughs> it's about a, uh, a young boy uh, who went the wrong, whose father called him Susan, a girl's name. You've heard the song, Boy Called Sue. But. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, he went in the direction because his name was Susan, all the bad things that happened to him from that, and how he meets Luke, and Luke steers him back to God the Father, and God the Father corrects that uh, path in his life. So all these books are dealing with very current subjects, and uh, you know we don't beat around the bush, um, and we keep it real, 
I, I'm not a religious person, and you're not a religious person either. Either that's uh, uh, we can connect very easily together on the connection that you have with God the Father, which is very apparent yeah. and uh, very uh, you know appealing to meet people who are connected with God the Father and to appreciate that. And uh, God might, has given me a father's heart. And when you told me your story about what your dad did for you. It just broke my heart. And it just, it's because of the heart that God gave me. Yeah. I could see you as a daughter. You know? Yeah. You know, most women are confronted with men who, who see them as sexual objects. Yeah. But um, if you can see people differently than that, um, it's a completely different experience. And I always find that women are very uh, intuitive. Men are not so intuitive. <laughs> but women are really intuitive, and they can see, uh, they can see through men real quickly. Yeah. They can see through people real quickly, uh, through their life experiences, and also by the Holy Spirit. So uh, I really appreciate from that uh, conference that we were able to connect this way. I would like to do it again, as I yeah. said. And I pray that the... Um, our audience will be blessed by hearing this, and I'm sure that they will be. So thank, yes, you, thank you, Kelly. Yeah, thank you. It was great. And you let me know when. I'll be there. The Father's Heart Media brings you this podcast. We trust that you'll be blessed by our Father. And you can also find us at www.patreon.com forward slash the Father's Heart or any um, podcast platform. You could find this message. Thank you.